Chase here, and I'm proud to be a police pup. These paws uphold the laws. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Podcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host Katya and Hannah. How's it going, guys? Still mad about Armis Bell. <laughs> again, um, that was two weeks ago. Well, as people uh, hear this, <laughs> I mean, other okay. I, I, uh, uh, I feel like it's <laughs> me off now. I was doing fine, but now I'm confused. Time travel. Yeah, well, so for for listeners who haven't heard previous shows, Hannah has been looking forward to... Well, that's a strong the, word. Yeah, the movie Artemis Fowl. Well, you've been talking about it since you joined the show over it's a year ago. And you've been looking at, Yeah, and you've been looking forward to it since you were a little girl. Yeah, actually, literally, that's true. Yeah. Sometimes the um, wait is not worth it. <laughs> I mean, is a 20-year wait ever worth, like, anything? No. Um, <laughs> I, retirement accounts, look at how much it will, it will grow in 20 years, presumably. <laughs> and that's the closest yeah, financial yeah, advice. I hate to break it to you, Hannah. We're millennials. It's not, it's not a good outlook. <laughs> yeah, the world will be uh, on fire. Welcome to finances with Hannah and Katya. Um, <laughs> so, Highly yeah. nuanced, yes. very mathy. Well, we'll get a new show. No, what are we, what are what are we talking about today? So we're talking about small cartoon dogs and policing, um, which is an episode I never thought I would be writing about for our blog. <laughs> but basically, as the world is on fire, as I gesture broadly at all the things happening via pandemic, Black Lives Matter um, protests. President Trump uh, trying to dissuade said protesters. Kill us off. Um, inevitably and Trump trying to kill us all is what you're trying to say. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, basically. <laughs> either either with COVID or with protesting, basically. Yes. Um, or with rallies. He has many tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His uh, For listeners from the future, his his rally in, I believe, Tulsa is was today. So it's we'll starting, see how it's that's... It's starting right now, in fact. Yes. Oh, great. Cool. So I'm looking forward to those news stories tomorrow morning. Um, but anyway, so... Our listeners, the pop culture aficionados that you are, may be aware of a kind of story that got one kind of, I would say, mini viral. Mm-hmm. So Paw Patrol, which is a children's television show featuring a range of squishy and adorable cartoon dogs doing various um, jobs, posted on their Twitter feed one of those black squares for the muted and listening um, campaign going around social media as part of the Amplify Melanated Voices mm-hmm. shtick. Um, that's a different episode. We can go into more more about social media and all that stuff. But basically, in response, this TV show for small children um, got a bunch of responses about defund chase, abolish the police, police are class traitors, because, as you might be aware, there is a German Shepherd puppy that is a police dog um, named Chase. And so this sparked a conversation that made it all the way to the New York Times, which I was kind of surprised. Um about basically copaganda and the appropriateness of copaganda, especially in children's shows. Um, so really briefly, we'll get into more detail and more examples in the show, but copaganda 
is a popular term used to describe media um, or news stories that are crafted to make cops look good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's most often used in reference to news stories. So, like, we've seen a lot of it lately. So, like, police kneeling alongside protest- protesters, like, the warm, fuzzy moments of, of, of protesters, like, hugging, which in some places has been not long preceded by police using uh, force against the exact same protesters in the same places. So there's a, that's been an issue. But it also extends to media representations more broadly. So like TV shows, movies that basically present like cops as the unquestionably good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and the premise of propaganda and why there's critique around it is basically that these media representations, this is a thing we talk about all the time on the show, over time basically contribute to a culture in which it becomes the knee-jerk reaction of most people to think the cops is good, good, and anything that isn't, a, you know, is anti-police is bad. Anything, um, even, anything even remotely critical of is evil. Right, yes. right. And arguably, like, I mean, we're in a climate where basically p- police get away with um, literally murder. And propaganda is, albeit a small part of that in a world where, you know, qualified immunity exists, but it does produce a climate in which it's difficult to mobilize people to organize a, basically not only in, like, in, in favor of police reform or critiquing the police at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to talk about this today because I think a lot of people on the internet took this, took this as a joke. Mm-hmm. And based off of the Twitter excavation I was able to do, I think it did initially start as a joke. At least one oh. Twitter user claims to have basically... Yep. We should before we get into like oh, where yeah. it started and everything. Right. We should definitely introduce the guests. We got a couple of people joining us today. So for the second week in a row, uh, we have returning uh, Marone Langsner. Uh, hey, Marone. Hello, glad to be here. You dove into this one. You wanted into this really bad. I've been trying to convince you to do this one for years, actually. We'll talk about why in a second. But before, since you brought him along, introduce your guest. So I'd like to introduce my friend Ryan Thomas, who uh, stopped me if I'm wrong. But Ryan is a writer, actor, stunt person who is mm-hmm. also retired. Uh, that is correct. I would take the stunt person out of there, though. My back isn't uh, really, <laughs> really holding up anymore. <laughs> retired stunt person. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Retired <laughs> stunt person, retired cop. That's right. So, so yeah, so so you both wrote and said you you know you were both interested in this topic for you know for the obvious reason, and I you know so I'm looking forward to seeing um seeing your viewpoint on you know clearly you want to destroy this cute little cartoon dog um or your very <laughs> favorite uh, which way which way do you fall uh, I me I I you know I don't really have a whole lot of opinion on Paw Patrol in general, um, but. Uh, I, I I find it annoying. Um, so <laughs> I think I'm that's per- a universal yeah. opinion of everyone. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah I, I'm perfectly okay with canceling it. Well, um, okay, so so here's so I have a weird thing now. Before Katya gets into where where it started, because you know, I do believe it started as a joke. Um, there's an there's an onion article linked in the show notes, and then there's a bunch of Twitter threads. And I did a little research on Paw Patrol specifically for this episode. And as far as I can tell, like Katya was saying, there are some people who seriously seem to want to um, cancel this show. Um, there are people who are vehemently everything cop bad. There's a cop on this show. We need to get it off because it's corrupting children. I found a petition. It has 27 signatures. So, <laughs> and um, the grassroots movement. Though. Yes, yes, absolutely. I found a petition countering that petition 
of very right wing people. These people need to, you know, like I think that the people who are complaining about the cancel culture people outnumber the the people who actually want it. I think oh, this, is a, this is a microcosm. This is a microcosm of that thing. Remember when when there was that that fan movement of like 20,000 people who wanted to remake Last Jedi without women? And, you know, there were 20,000 people who were like really young co about it. And then, you know, four million people saying these guys are dumbasses. It's that. But like reverse the, you know, like there's a but there are some hardcore radical leftist people going, no, we need to cancel this. And then all of MAGA's like, kill them, kill them, save Paw Patrol. Um, if we go back, have, yeah. It's also, it should be stated, none of these people probably saw Paw Patrol before yes. the last like week. Yes. yes. And, no that's, and, that's, and, that's, and that's important because see. If you go back and you know, like you listen to that, we did a show once about like the the correct and the incorrect uses of petitions, and I was very much on that show saying, you know, I think people overuse the internet petition. It doesn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. I think they take them too seriously. Um, I had never seen Paw Patrol before. I have a couple of nephews and nieces who well who were at one time very into it, and I hadn't bothered to watch it though I'd bought toys for them. I have now watched four episodes of Paw Patrol. And I got to tell you, the cancel people are right. We need to get rid of this show. It is horrible. It is destroying America. It's not the cop thing. It's just bad. It's just a ridiculously awful show that, oh, my God, save the children, kill this show. But that's not why they want to get rid of it. (laughs) Well, you know, I think I think a more serious like actual request is from some people online who are not telling the creators of Brooklyn Nine-Nine what to do. Mm -hmm. I've seen people like Kelly Hayes say, wouldn't it be awesome if Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is a show that basically is set in an alternate universe where there's a very diverse police precinct and all the cops (laughs) in it, even like the old white douchebags are like, no, we should like protect people and we're here to serve and we really care in in general. It's yeah, the there are some moments. Good cop landscape, yeah, like it, it really is. Like they they engage in some issues, which we can talk about later. But it's yeah, it's it's a complicated show, and like a lot of people who were on the left like two years ago when Brooklyn Nine Nine was threatened with cancellation were like, "We need to save this show." I know that sounds weird because I usually am critiquing the cops, but this is a show that like deals with issues about transphobia and the cruelty of the prison system and mm-hmm. like handles like bisexuality in an appropriate way. And it's amazing. And so like, yes, but anyway, they, they are arguing that wouldn't it be amazing if because the cops in Brooklyn nine, nine are so good, they all just like walked out and like quit because of like what's going on specifically with the NYPD in real life. And, and mm-hmm. also there have been some less serious requests, for Brooklyn nine, nine to like, an archer and just like have everyone work at the u.s postal service um i've heard li- i've heard library yeah yeah, yeah something one. like that you know <laughs> i would just be kind of into that i would find they're just funny. all librarians now and it's not and it's not acknowledged why and it's just as though the show had always been that yeah i saw something that said that they should all walk out and become social workers um, and yeah. i think yeah, that yeah, displays a lack of knowledge of what both social workers and cops do Having just ta- spoken, so in my real life, um, part of my job was actually this week talking to a social worker who became a cop, um, which was an interesting experience just because I think, like, we could get into defunding questions later, but um, before we move on further, I do want to acknowledge that this does, like, as Matt said, this does seem to have started as a joke. Yeah. Um, 
there's an onion article yeah, there's an onion article linked in the show notes that was from from like four years ago three or four years ago and it was going around again once the defund the police right. thing started and it's basically it implies that shit that chase shot a uh, shot another dog 27 times in the back and <laughs> in, in a recent right. episode and it's like which did not happen it would have made, made the show better it would have made the show so much better I mean, also, it, most things would have been show better, but even like even the recent like Twitter thing, like uh, supposedly according to one Twitter poster, that they actually were the ones that contacted Paw Patrol, jokingly messaging them to put one of the black squares up. Lo and behold, the next day the black square went up. So there's even questions of like whether or not like Paw Patrol's engagement in this whatsoever was kind of a joke because I mean there is the whole thing of like a lot of shows and different companies are doing this kind of pro forma. Mm-hmm engagement with black lives matter and like on like paw patrol like there are companies for whom like that makes sense i don't know that paw patrol was one of them that like we really needed this from them paw patrol is canadian like we should point out that it's a canadian show yeah but there i mean that issue the issue is there as well there there's a blm sure i don't like i don't have a problem with it i i really don't like i i think that there was a you know there was a cultural moment last week for us two weeks ago as as the listener hears this for the first time but there was a cultural moment that happened where amazingly and yeah I realize a lot of it is forces of capitalism but still it was amazing that so many companies companies media corporations individual shows just had a moment where they all said let's try to do this thing of solidarity on the internet mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah that's great no, no right. sure they just did it for the cash they did it because well we don't want to look bad by not doing it so fine i you know i'm, I'm a cynical <laughs> bastard so fine but i i don't want to take away from you know what i'm i'm willing to give the producers of paw patrol the benefit of the doubt and say they were being sincere there i, I you right. know and i think their show the, is garbage the, but I, i'm willing to give them the benefit of doubt right i mean also, is it, is it most shows made for two year olds? Probably fall. Yeah, category. it it is. I'm being um, I'm being unfair. It's just I just like it was just it was real hard to watch. It, it was, was a lot. And I watched it for um, a solid hour. I should also point out just before because I don't want to center this this entire thing just on Paw Patrol, but Chase is only barely a cop. I mean he's he's a cop. Right. He's a cop in the same way that the guy from the Village People is a cop. You know, he, he's <laughs> yes. a, he's a dog in a cop uniform. And there's a dog in a construction worker uniform and there's a dog in a firefighter uniform. They're, they're village people. The, yes. the, fun, the functional difference between the, the functions that Chase does and the functions that any of the other dogs do on a, on a random rescue mission, because that's what the show is. The show is just them going off on very simplistic rescue, rescue missions over and over again. And Chase's copness has very little to do with anything. Like he's no yeah, more he's of a, not like no more. Around, yeah. Like, yeah. Arresting people. There's not there, there is no police brutality yes. episode. He is a also random superhero a dog. dog in a blue he, yeah, he's a random superhero yeah. dog in right. a blue uniform as opposed to the orange uniform that the construction worker dog is in. And then they sing Macho Man or something. I don't know. It was <laughs> again, it's and very it's, village I mean, people. And I think that's what the where, like one of the things I think that makes Paw Patrol, this is what I was talking about on the on the blog post, it's like as much as people are joking about taking this down, although oddly a lot of media outlets have taken this quite seriously, which I find really interesting, slash makes me question their ability to read tweets properly. Um, <laughs> like, they, they, there is a fundamental, like like many jokes, there is a fundamental underlying point there. I don't know that it rises to the level of we need to defund Prime Patrol, but basically, like, this is a show that... that I mean, for adults, it drives us all nuts, but presumably for small children, I would imagine there's warm, fuzzy feelings towards adorable little dogs running around helping people, right? Right, right. One of them happens to be in a police uniform. So, you know, the, 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 
lots of cultural influence and representation would suggest that this is this is teaching children to think positively about cops and, and, and also construction and workers yeah and, and, and also construction well, workers there's also like a, a show oh. that i discovered in all this called bubble guppies um <laughs> that uh also like is like in the same vein of paw patrol except their kind of concept is they take the idea of school of fish as like a literal thing and they interpret like these mermaid fish um and like teach kids about stuff and i discovered their call the police song which is just literally about like why you should call the police um to stop people from doing bad things and so that's just their very simple message like anyone doing something wrong won't be doing it for long it, it got stuck in my head I, I regret everything about doing research <laughs> on like tv shows but uh we did get a comment from an actual parent um that was about this if we want to talk about that before we move on um Okay. And get that perspective. Would you like me to read I, it? Sure. Um, okay. So this is from Terry Lee. You can find it. He's been um, on the show before, actually. Yeah, he's been on the show before. Mm -hmm. And he said, My kid loves this show, referring to Paw Patrol, not Bubble Guppies. Uh, we have a handful of the toys, and he knows all their names, and they have adventures together all over the living room furniture. And I'm paraphrasing. Um, however, the other day, my son was upset about something, not tantrum upset, but upset to the degree that he was talking, trying to stir us up to provoke a reaction. He the words i'm going to call the police on you a month ago i probably wouldn't have given this a thought but in today's day and age the statement is a minefield to navigate for a parent and let's be honest the primary thing that's changed is my awareness but now i'm flailing trying to convince my son that the police aren't solely for punishment while thinking of the abusive cops in the news trying to balance the few decent cops i've known against the conviction that our police force needs to needs a soup to nuts overhaul knowing that as a white kid he's statistically less likely to have an issue with the police but also knowing doesn't make him immune to a uniform bully with a gun i also flash to the fact that when i was roughly his age my mother dressed me as a policeman for halloween one year and this was interpreted insofar as i was aware as a heroic costume in this instance, I'm also evaluating what my son's experience with cops, what my son's experience with cops has been. He waves as the cars drive past the house. We had had a neighbor who was a good cop, but my son doesn't remember him. I quickly realize that Chase is my son's primary exposure to the police. And this is a very sanitized version of police work. After all of these thoughts flood my mind, I look at my son and say, that's not the job of the police. We only call them when we really need them. They are very busy, so we leave them alone to do their jobs. I don't know if this is the right response or the wrong one. I figure we're going to have lots more conversations about this. I think that's a good Ryan question. Uh, yeah, actually, I was going to jump in there. Uh, first, I love, uh, I love his insight into that. And I can say from... Uh, being on the other side of that, one of the most frustrating things in the world to me was hearing parents like if I'm at a store and their kids acting up or something, they will point to the police officer right in front of us and be like, I'm going to have him take you away. And that's such a, a scary thing to say to a kid. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. couldn't even begin to tell you how often that happens, mm -hmm. like on a regular basis when you're out in public. Um, and I think um, going back to the, the whole kind of idea of Paw Patrol and that stuff and also trying to wrap our heads around all the things that are that are going on right now. Um, I think we have to really think about what we want. Police aren't going away in society. We know that that's right. even and I believe I am actually I, I don't think the branding was right, but the message behind the defund the police movement, I totally get it and I support it in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I am all about overhauling a 
whole lot of things about the police. But I think because police are always going to be a part of society um, in for any of our lifetimes anyway, we should want and this goes both ways, but we should want to foster a normalized and positive relationship with these people that are supposed to be in our neighborhoods serving us. Um, so in that sense, I think it's good to have those images for kids. And, you know, if kids are in danger, you want them to be able to police or who you want them to be able to go to. The problem is not all police are doing the right things. And there's a whole lot of other issues. But I think idealistically, yeah, we want that to be a positive thing. We don't want kids to be scared of police. But then realistically, we've got this whole other thing. So like all the other episodes I've listened to, I'm, I'm sure this is going to be the one where everything gets resolved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that is one of the things in my in my post. I mean, I think, Matt, you were getting at this earlier, is that like Ch- Chase is not materially different from any of the other characters. At so all. like, there should, yeah. you know, great. So like, what's really the big issue? But I think like, precisely that I mean to the point that our comment was getting to it's like because this is a show for two-year-olds there's not a lot of space to have nuance here yeah and there shouldn't be exactly but the issue is also that like I mean like I think as Brian was noting it's like we don't we, ha- we aren't currently having issues with for example firefighter brutality right um right. or like or firefighter misconduct so the question I think like I, th- I think that this is like the kernel of like the, the what's kind of plausible behind the joke of defunding mm-hmm. Paw Patrol is that like, well, should like, is, is it, is it in this moment responsible for a show to be mm-hmm. portraying this very simplified version of cops? Because especially for certain populations thinking about, you know, for example, like black children or they, uh, they talked mm-hmm. about, and people have brought this up in like immigration is it's like the cops are not equally safe for all people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is it really appropriate to have a show for children this young who can't yet absorb what's going on around them. Okay. There's a meme going around, like just sort of in the black Twitter space right now, where, where people have been talking about how, you know, one of the common MAGA um, responses is, you know, you liberals, which means blacks, but you know, (laughs) so (laughs) congratulations to all of you. Um, But you liberals, um, you just hate all authority and, uh, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we don't hate all authority. This is a very specific problem. We never had a song called fuck the fire department, you know, and that's, and, and that's really sort of a thing because I think when you have the, the defund the police movement, um, I agree with Ryan, the branding on that was shit. Now the, the branding on a lot of stuff. I mean, again, here's here, 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 here is a compliment towards Donald Trump. Donald Trump is great at branding. He has very (laughs) horrible, awful ideologies Uh, that he condenses down to nice, catchy build a wall. Hey, you know, that fits on a t-shirt, you know, make America great again. Who could argue with that? You know, so he's, he's great at that and he means horrible things. And those Um, few words encompass so many horrible racist attitudes. Absolutely. Just three words. Mm -hmm. And and, and that's exactly my point. He is great at the literal task of branding to make something deplorable sound, you know, swallowable and um so a friend of mine this is not on our blog but just in a in you know so a, sort of a group of uh, friends of mine that we're talking online um when you know a couple weeks ago when the def- defund the police thing really started picking up stu- steam he asked you know he was just like what does this really mean how can we have a world without police and i answered him and i and i knew we were doing this episode so i copied down what i'd answered him and I said, well, it's not so much about just really getting rid of police. It's do the police in Pittsburgh's North Hills, which is a really nice area, really need a tank because they have one. And like, I don't mm-hmm. know why um, mm-hmm. the, the SWAT, the SWAT team in our upscale neighborhood 
has a tank and they're very proud of it. They post pictures of it on their social media. It's like, why do you have a tank? <laughs> what if are you I going to tank, do? With- I'd be posting so many pictures. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, no, I mean, well, right. I, I kind of want a tank because it's cool. Yeah. Like, I'm, it's not, it's not like no I'm an anti-tank. Yeah, yeah, no one should give either of us a tank. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> no, no. I was, I was just putting my head in my hand, going like, "Oh God, no one give Matt, Matt yeah. a tank." Right. Yeah. This is the, because giving me a tank would be dangerous for everyone else. Right. There also aren't laws and police unions that like would protect you from the uses of that tank. I mean, I think right. Like the, de- the yeah, the defund the whole like defund right. conversation has been really poorly marketed because right. essentially what it is, it's like taking policing budgets looking at looking at them and especially more importantly like the vast majority of calls that a lot of police in a lot of areas get called on are things mm-hmm. that they're not really trained to handle they are things that are right. better handled by yeah. a medical professional or a social well, worker what i told my friend is you know he said well i don't know that we really want to defund the police we probably need to give better you know give more money to social programs and i was like yeah that's kind of the point and i said that's basically what it yeah. is well, i was like i told him but yeah that's kind of the point but when you want people to yell something in the streets at a protest, you know, saying, what do you, what do we want? Restructuring law enforcement agencies to prioritize life and prevent crime rather than militarized acts of violence, disproportionately targeting African-American men due to systemic bias and oppression and the addition of community oversight controlled by an external and unbiased body answerable to the people rather than said corrupt organization. When do we want it now? Doesn't really have a ring to it and it doesn't fit on a, on a so, t-shirt. And so that's like, the problem. You yeah. can't just do that. So like the A2 abolition um, Mm -hmm. dot com is like, I think one of the biggest sort of defund the police, uh, you know, abolish the police Mm -hmm. uh, websites that's been circling around the Internet. And if you go to their number one um, like demand, what they actually say under defund the police is reject any proposed expansion to police budgets. Uh, pro- prohibit private public innovation schemes that profit from temporary technological fixes, systemic problems of police abuse and violence, reduce the power of police unions because police unions had been a big problem, demand the highest budget cuts per year until they slash police budget to zero, which actually like, you know, falls under like, you know, trying to slice police in half, fully cut funding for public relations, no investment in police training, deplatform white supremacist public officials, repeal the law enforcement bill of rights, end all police contracts with social services, care services and government agencies, and abolish asset forfeiture programs and laws. And then like there are other demands, uh, like include things like invest in care, not cops, mm-hmm. which is you know, you've already gone over that in your mm-hmm. very long chant. Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah well, and you, you know, we'll get all of that on a bumper sticker. Sure. Well, I can <laughs> tell you from from being a cop for 22 years, the thing cops complain about probably the most is all of those things that people are saying should be taken away from them. Like mm-hmm. cops don't want to have to deal with every social services type call and and all these other things that they really that people are saying don't know how to cops, do and shouldn't have to. Exactly. Now, I can say the the department that I worked for, um, I was in um, not Baltimore City, Baltimore County, which kind of surrounds Baltimore City, but completely different government, completely different police department. Um, And one of the things I've seen people talking about is, uh, you know, sending counselors out to people with mental health issues. They actually have a whole unit in Baltimore County that is just it's um, plainclothes police officers and a um, licensed counselor. And they only go to mental health calls. So that mm-hmm. way they've got they've got uh, protection there. But the, the counselor is the one that pretty much does all the talking with the person. The cops are just there because it's a 911 call and it could be dangerous. Um, sure. I would love to see more programs like that. A, a big issue that is really, really hard um, 
to, to affect any kind of change. And it's, it's hard for a lot of people that have never really worked in those kind of agencies before is that every police agency is completely different. And mm-hmm. there are, I, I don't even know the number, uh, at, at least hundreds throughout the country. Some, right. you know, have 20,000 members, some have less than 10. Mm-hmm. And they've all got their own ideas and policies and training and procedures and culture is very, very different. Yeah, because if you're a town of a thousand people and you have, you know, you have you have a thousand people, you have eight people on the police force for your entire town, then, yeah, it kind of makes sense to call, you know, Deputy mm-hmm. Bob that everybody knows when there's a, you know, when they're when, you know, when crazy old Charlie is drunk again, you know, exactly all, because he's the guy, right? Like and he's going to have a, a rapport with them, which is another yeah. big thing with me is the um, it, police need to know their neighborhoods. They need to be if you're in patrol in a neighborhood and this wasn't the way it was when I came on, they had gotten away from this and I worked in different, I worked more community outreach the last half, latter half of my career and really believed in this. Get out on foot and literally talk to the people that are around. Find out what's bothering them. Find out what they like. Find Just have communication and build a rapport with these people in your, your posts and your precincts. And your job is going to be easier because they're going to trust you because they're going to know you. They're not you're not just going to be a badge and a gun that's standing in front of them telling them to get out of the way. But take that extra effort to get invested in the actual community that you're serving and not just be out there looking for tickets and arrests, because that, I think, is aside from the systemic racism that focus on number driven data from police is one of the biggest problems I think across the board because it Mm -hmm. makes them focus on the wrong thing. I've Mm -hmm. been reading, um, which it's clearly like, um, a very, like making a very specific case. And you can tell by the title, I've been reading the end of policing, um, which you can get free from Verso right now alongside my family. And one of the things, um, that he argues, uh, in the first chapter is basically, that it's really difficult to be a good cop depending on like what part of the system you're in because of just the way that like the big picture works partially because of those like numbers and what your job entails. Um, uh, so, and I was actually like pretty surprised actually uh, reading that book um, in the first chapter, he like used some data to show that it doesn't matter like what race um, of cops you hire. They don't, treat like statistically uh their populations any differently um like at all like like if you're a black cop you might just be more like just as likely as your white peers to like use bias whenever you stop people and that was really surprising to me and he connected it to like the systemic problems with policing there's some a couple things that i think need to be in the civilian conversation about policing is use of force because I think the big thing that we always talk about is the monopoly on violence that the government is supposed to have. And one of the best resources I've seen on this, and this is so like just for the people who haven't heard me before, some of the things I do in my life are I'm a theatrical fight choreographer and a lot of my scholarship, including my dissertation, is on representations of on representations of violence. So there is a book that is very much worth people's time called Forced Decisions. It's by a man named Rory Miller. Rory Miller used to be the head of the corrections version of a SWAT team and is a kind of a big name in martial arts self-defense circles. And he used to teach use of force 
courses to cops. And he published a book a few years ago during one of the previous, you know, upticks and uprisings against police, where he's in, in the introductions, he talks about how this is a peace offering and he doesn't want to change anyone's mind. But this is the information that is kind of a typical use of force class for a police officer of when a certain amount of force is applicable, when to scale the force, and what circumstances justify what level of force. And a lot of it's really eye-opening because most normal, your average person, if such a thing can be modeled, most of the violence that they would have been exposed to in their lives would have been through entertainment. And a lot of that entertainment would have probably have been propaganda. So if, if the majority of the experience of police use of force that you've seen have been basically superheroes, mm -hmm. it creates a really unrealistic view of what you can expect in real life. Because I've been in the room where people are arguing over, well, why didn't he just shoot the gun out of his hand? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. This go kind of goes back to yeah. Terry's comment that, um, that Hannah read earlier. Um, Terry was talking about specifically his kid, who, if I remember correctly, is... Sorry if I got it wrong, Terry, as you listen, but I believe he's four now. Um, three or four. Um, but he's very young in, in any case. And yes, in, in his kid's case, the, you know, his experience with cops, you know, Terry said, you know, my, his idea of what a cop is, is chase from Paw Patrol. That's what he believes yeah. police officer is supposed to be. And I don't, you know, Marone was just hinting at this, not just the violence, but the idea of what a cop is to most people, most people, period is this idea of something they saw on television or in movies. You know, you are just a superhero. You're here to protect. The police come out and they protect and serve. Dun, 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 you know, in, in, in like the Law and Order theme so, plays or whatever, you know. But like, and Ryan, you know, you're not the first cop I've met to the extent that the cops who I'm willing to talk to, <laughs> um, they say, most of being a cop is actually really boring. Oh my God. <laughs> There's a lot of paperwork. Like, you don't run around just shooting people. Like, it's no. not that. You And it's not even like, like, even... Even for something like the now recently canceled television show Cops, where they're just showing cops, you know, riding, you know, the cops on the on the cops television show, they're not shooting people a lot, but they're riding around, you know, waiting for something to happen. And then, you know, they go and they break up the fight or they break up the domestic disturbance or they pick up the drunk guy or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of that. That's not what being a cop really is like that. Like, like you have to understand that that's a half an hour television show that the that they filmed seven days worth of footage to get you half an hour of uh, half an hour of interesting. You know, uh, in fact, um, I, I watched Brooklyn Nine Nine in preparation for this episode. And one of the great things about it, um, Hannah, I know it's one of your favorite shows. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it's like episode two or three. They're just like, how come you never fill out your paperwork? And then Andy Sandberg's character just gets benched for the entire episode where he fills out fucking paperwork <laughs> for the entire episode. Because that's part of what you're doing, just like every other job. I mean, think about your job and the exciting parts, you know, anybody listening, the exciting parts of your job that everybody else thinks is, you know, oh, you're a teacher. That's awesome. No, that's a lot of grading papers and a lot of meetings. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you know, you are yeah. a designer. You are a cop. You are a my uncle was a, my uncle who I, I know was listening to the show was a firefighter for like 30 years. You don't like there's not a fire every day. <laughs> you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of 
safety inspections, which is, yep. you know, um, my uncle Roger would, he was a fire inspector and, you know, yeah, every once in a while he's running into a building with a hose, but mostly he's just kind of going to the store, wandering around, writing down things that he thinks might catch on fire one day and then making a list <laughs> and then going back and typing it up. That's being a firefighter. You know, there's not a nine, there's not a nine eleven every day. That's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. That when I was in patrol and, and, you know, just through meeting people or something, I would mention what I do and people would be like, oh, that's exciting. I was like, it's 75% of doing nothing, uh, 20% of doing paperwork and 5% of what you think the job is. And that's if you're lucky. That's a big time. I mean, yeah. outside, I mean, that's outside of Baltimore, but like, you know, we, you know, I mean, here, here, my first cop is, is Barney Fife and Andy Griffith. And if you remember, Barney, uh, Barney Fife on the Andy Griffith show had one bullet that he didn't mm -hmm. keep in the gun. That was a major plot point of the, of the show. He didn't keep the bullet in the gun because that would be pocket. dangerous. Yeah, he kept, kept yeah. it in his pocket because the likelihood that he was going to have to use the gun was so low. <laughs> I'll load it when I get to it. Because that's, you know... Yeah. Well, the vast majority, a like huge majority of police never fire their gun throughout their entire career. Right, right. Because I, mean, I, I had it pointed a few times that, you know, were dangerous. And I'm, I'm very happy that nothing ever got further than that. But like the, the amount of times that I even had to pull it out as a defensive mechanism, um, as opposed to like, you know, searching a building that's, you know, a burglar alarms going off and we find an open door. In that case, you do it because you're hopefully not have to protect yourself, but for your own safety. But the times that I actually had to pull it out with someone else right there, probably less than 10 over 22 years. Mm -hmm. And every single one of them went peacefully. Because it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's, but that wouldn't be an interesting story. You know, exactly. you, can't do, you can't do that on television or a movie like Die Hard where. He doesn't shoot anybody. He doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hans, we'd like you to we'd like you to give up. All right. You got me <laughs> in the movie. You know, yeah, I had I had one sergeant that really was not happy with me being on his shift because I never wrote tickets. I, I was not one of, like in Maryland. It was illegal to enforce any kind of quotas, um, but they would still tell you, well, we want to see 20 a month or something like that. And my thinking was I'm not. My, my philosophy on police was always serving the community. So if somebody's doing something that's a risk to the community, sure, I'll pursue that. But I wasn't the type to just go out and find as many tickets as I could. But that same sergeant always wrote in my reviews, Ryan de-escalates situations better than anyone else on the shift. And I was like, it's so easy. You just listen to people. All you do is talk to them. Like, just break it down and say, get them away from whoever's upsetting them or whatever and say, What's your side of the story? I want, I care. And nine times out of 10, you've got a peaceful resolution to that. Um, so that's the kind of thing that, again, like you said, unfortunately, it happens a lot. People don't see it, doesn't make good TV, and it certainly doesn't make the news. Yeah, I actually like in reading the book um, that I just referenced, the end of policing, one of the mm -hmm. things they mentioned that was a problem with certain cops is like them having warrior mentalities or believing that they're, mm -hmm. it doesn't say this, but basically describing like they are as if they are in a TV show where at any moment, at any call, anything might, you know, happen to them. They might have to be in a very bad situation. So they always are being told that they might go into something dangerous. So it affects how they might handle something instead of trying to deescalate. Yeah, I absolutely. Agree. I absolutely see that. I think it is the responsibility of 
the individual officer and on some degree also for training from the departments that you you have to be aware every the most dangerous the two most dangerous things that cops go on are traffic stops and domestics because both of those you're going into a situation that you don't know what you're going into and that's that person's environment you have no idea what they could have what their intentions are and in domestics they're so highly emotional people will flip on you in a second um but you have to and this tying this back to you know propaganda i would like to see these kind of things addressed in police shows you have to be responsible for your mindset and you have to be aware that yes this is a possibility but i can't go in expecting that or you should, you need to be i guess what i'm saying you need to be prepared for it but not live like you're prepared for it not portray it like you're prepared for it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it actually yeah, totally makes sense. Um, go ahead, Katya. I, I mean, I think just, oh, no, I was just saying, like, that totally makes sense. Just in, um, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about, like, my particular experiences with police, and some of which have been, you know, fine and presumably exactly what they were supposed to be, like traffic, you know, fender bender, stuff like that. And then I've been mm-hmm. in ones where, you know, at a student protest where they, where they, they used tear gas on undergrads. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an instance where, like, I think kind of what you're getting, you, you're talking about, like, they came in with the mentality that something was going to, I think, like, based on the, the amount of militarized gear and, like, the literally hundreds of cops that came to this relatively small college town from across from all the state. Over the country, yeah. in, right. Hannah was actually there, too. Like, what, whatever their mindset was from us, it seemed like they were, they were coming expecting something that was not going to happen because we were a bunch of like, we were, he was maybe 50 undergrads and graduate students, but it added to this climate. And it should be said, 10 declared white supremacists, like neo-Nazis, um, who were the people who were, anyway, won't go into that. Um, but it was basically one of those things where it's like, I think that like people came with a mindset like a particular mindset in that, and in, in that, and I think that that's part of what caused everything to play out. And I think part of it was this is um, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Like I will say that the cops do not have a great relationship with, especially like the campus community, the activist community, and partially because of those actions, but even other, but even other moments like you know inappropriate charges, inappropriate uses of force, and things like that. And I think those things over time just like escalate because as a protester, you know, we would like, or somebody who's like, even not even going to a protest, but going to a teach-in, like we would have conversations of like, what are we going to do if one of these cops who has this expectation shows up? Because basically like we got to the point where we had to be prepared to that. And I would imagine over time that just like escalates and escalates and escalates because if, if those instances keep happening. Yeah. I I should just note that that's, um, that uh, there's more information on the situation Katya is talking about specifically. If you go back to episode 22 of this show, we talked about it on there. Yes. So for people who don't know about the protests that she's talking about, and uh, I believe you actually speak to your experiences of, of when the, for lack of a better term, riot happened at that, <laughs> at that. Well, yeah. And it wasn't even a riot because it was basically like, so I wasn't at um, the specific area of the protest where, um, like, for example, the tear gassing happened. We basically mm-hmm. got the fringes of it. Um, and I was thankfully off campus enough that I could go around and pick up people that were being affected, um, including one of them was having a really a severe asthma attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think, I mean, I, it was one of those instances of like watching the news where people are talking about instances where there's questions of basically how riots are breaking out and protesters mm-hmm. saying like, well, actually, they're like, basically the police, like, you know, police were starting to escalate something and basically protesters responded. 
Um, yeah, and that's but, frequent. And yeah. I, right, and I think that I mean I think that was one of those moments because especially in, like, in that moment where especially you have a bunch of the vast majority of that protest was 18, 19 year olds, um, probably their first experience. Many of them with police, especially in a, like in a protest context, like they don't necessarily know how to respond all the time. Um, and so people people ran when they were being told not to, but also they were being told not to run, which meant standing in basically like tear gas. I was just going to say to address their response to that um, through my experience, uh, most cops that I've dealt with, um, they, they let it, it. I don't want to say they let it become their life. Some do for sure. Um, but they don't really get outside of their bubble a whole lot. And don't get me wrong. I, I know plenty that do. I've got some still a few really good friends on the, the police force back home um, because they're open to people. So you tend to fear what you don't know or understand. And a lot of these cops that are responding to these things, they don't understand that mentality. They certainly don't understand what it's like to be 19 or 20 or grow up in these things. And, and it's it's such an, an insular kind of uh, community. I guess that even if they knew those people back when they were teenagers, they've forgotten it. And it becomes this whole, and I hate to say this, I really do because it's, it's the antithesis of what policing should be. But even when I went through the Academy in the mid nineties, there was a very, very us versus them mm -hmm. um, training drilled into us that like, you know, you guys are, you're a team, you have to band together. You have to be this. And I never bought into that whole, you know, brothers in blue kind of thing. Like, yeah, we have the same job. I'll risk my life for you. Just because we have the same job doesn't mean you're my best friend or that I even necessarily like you. <laughs> but, you know, I'll risk my life for you just like I would for a random person on the street because that's what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. um, but they, a lot of, of people that get into that job don't make the effort to like I was I made a very strong effort to always keep my friends that were artists and musicians and had other interests. And really didn't like I never went out with like the, the shift after work to the bars and things like that, because I wanted to have that other connection. Um, and I feel like I'm rambling. But, uh, no, no, I think it's a, no, no, that makes a lot of point. sense. Yeah. And yeah. I think I mean, even just speaking to my experience in Chapel Hill, mm -hmm. like there were efforts, which actually now that you say that, I, I think so there were a lot of efforts to basically have like the sort of like coffee with a cop program kind of things, which mm. um, I think after those started, at least I remember seeing a lot more of those posters after the that particular protest instance, which I think was maybe not the best move on their PR part. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a different thing. But I like having you say that. I mean, it's interesting. I wonder if the thought process behind this was as much the community getting another police as the police getting another community, because I think mm -hmm. like. I mean, especially it's like I like we Chapel Hill's predominantly a college town with college students. And I mean, part of it is also those students are coming with their own particular experiences of policing, which are, high, can, you know, can be highly diverse and, and, and absolutely kind of, valid. Every single one of them that cops don't understand why they feel that way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this happened to be a protest. I mean, as Matt mentioned, we have a uh, a uh, episode on it that was about removing a Confederate statue. So, you, like, mm -hmm. there were also issues of like racialized policing experiences mm -hmm. going into that, as well as racialized experiences of the university as a whole. And I, yeah, I can totally imagine that it had it would it would have been a very different, I think, experience on all sides had there been more of an understanding. And the other part of it was, as far as we understood, the vast majority of police that showed up at that protest were actually not from Chapel Hill. They were coming from other parts of the state. Mm -hmm. yeah. Some of the most violent were attributed to the Greensboro Police Department, um, which is pretty far away, um, actually. 
so and actually i i want to say this particular protest was a dance party after the statue had come down <laughs> wow. like we were right. we originally originally we were dancing to kesha's timber um which makes it a very interesting song choice once you apply it wow. to silent sam that is the, that is the yeah. best shoehorning of a kesha song <laughs> into, into an episode that you've ever done i am, I, I applaud it's you on that one it's but true it's actually yeah. hannah raises an important point though because i think what, one of the things that was interesting is that you know if, if like giving giving uh at least some of the police the benefit of the doubt that they were there to wanting wanting to de-escalate the situation the activists were also actively like on their own side trying to de-escalate the re- de-escalate the situation. Mm-hmm. The reason it was a dance party and was circulated as a dance party um, was to have like the aspect of like community involvement and protesting the statue. Yes, but also like to de-escalate the situation specifically so that there would not be use of force on the part of cops or um, an increased level of aggression from the various white supremacist groups that had been showed up on campus, of which there were ones that showed up that evening. And so, basically got escorted and got uh, like on to do their thing and then got escorted off, which were their, their reasons for that. But let's point out, the, the white supremacists were gone by the time that they tear-gassed the protesters. Right, yeah. people were dispersing, basically. Well, I want to make sure we got into, we got into that because I have a very, you know, again, as, as I, as I've pointed out on this show before, I grew up black, you know, um, and, and, <laughs> and continue and to be, so, yeah, and continue to be, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't stop. Um, and, and that gives me a slightly different, uh, different outlook on police, but I, I want to get into a couple of things that Katya said and that Ryan said, and I think that, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by just pointing out something that Ryan pointed out because it's going to be important in a moment, which was, you said, sure, you'll, you know, sure, you'll risk your life for another cop, just like you would for anybody else because that was the job you signed up for that was specifically what being a cop entailed again the we're the shield we're the serve and protect blah 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 you know like that that's that's what you're really signing up for you're not really signing up to go and shoot bad guys i know that that's what tv says um yeah. and i know that that's kind of what uh probably you know the more problematic cops believed in it, the warrior mentality that Hannah was talking about like it is a you know i'm out here i'm hunt, i'm here to hunt people i mean i've had arguments with people um i spent an i i had an argument a couple a week ago with a guy it's like oh well you know black lives matter is a terrorist organization and yeah wow yeah he's like shut oh, up boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, he, and he was a cop you know he's like you know he's like, i i'm ready to kill anybody it's like then you're a problem you're a you're yeah. seriously a problem <laughs> you are why- i'm sorry right. did you hear the um the union boss the the police union from minneapolis that said oh, yeah i think it was oh, the, the guy from minneapolis that was like i've shot three people none of them bothered me i was like you're a sociopath yes you, and no yeah, and, cop should shoot somebody and not be bothered by that that should weigh on you no, and that just, should just yes. like no human should do that right. exactly right. <laughs> and, that's, and, and here's the thing like what you know you talked you guys talked about your dance party um I think the problem, you know, Ryan, you were saying, you know, you're showing up, you're looking to deescalate as opposed to showing up with the warrior mentality that Hannah was talking about, that Katya was mm-hmm. talking about, you know, how, you know, what do we do? And I mean, I'm not, and I'm not talking about there are there are crazy circumstances like Trump's I'm going to murder everybody so I can take a photo um, holding a book and I've never touched a book before thing that he did <laughs> much less the Bible. Um, so like I'm not talking about that but I mean just in general I've watched a lot of these protests all over the country including footage of the Pittsburgh one. I've watched mm-hmm. um, 
uh, I've been at protests. I think I, my first ever protest march, I think I was eight years old. Um, my family's been very involved in, you know, you know, as one might guess by listening to me, uh, my family has been very involved in racial matters my entire life. I've, I've, uh, I think I was seven or eight the first time I ever went to, I ever marched in a protest. So I've done this before. I've done this for, you know, going on 40 years now. Um, to my experience, a lot of times when when they go bad, it, it's it's weird to say it's the cops fault because it's more just people getting jumpy and worrying. So if if there's no if nobody tries to contain a situation, you know what happens in a protest? People march around and they walk around and they get bored and they leave every once in a while. Somebody you might have one of them. there, bad apples. You always hear about that. They, they will try to loot something left to their own devices. Usually the crowd takes care of those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like yeah. seriously, yeah, I've seen that happen too. seriously, if, if, if somebody's trying to like trying to like, you know, disrupt a protest by breaking into something, usually a bunch of guys will just kick his ass. Like you don't actually need the cops. Sometimes you do. And then, you know, what happens is somebody calls cops. It, you know, it's like there, there are ways, there are ways this happens. The problem becomes, and I haven't talked about this on the show before, but um, if you follow you know, people who follow me on social media might know if you, you know, if you've seen the various random pictures of police violence that happen, that have happened during the George Floyd protests over the last couple of weeks, one of them you might see is a, um, is a woman, you know, people will say 59 year old um, grandmother shot in head with rubber bullet um, and was in, was in a coma. Uh, her name's Leslie Furcron. She's a cousin of mine. And uh, so she's not a first cousin, but she's, she is a family member of mine. So my family has been very concerned about that the last couple of weeks. She was at one of these protests in San Diego and she was rowdy. And by rowdy, I mean, she's 60 years old. So, you know, how dangerous is she? But she was screaming murderers, murderers, murderers at the cops. The reason she screamed murderers, murderers, murderers at the cops is that uh, four months ago, her her son was a, you know, Black Lives Matter victim. He was murdered by a cop Mm. running when running away from cops. (laughs) um, uh, He was shot in the back and killed. Um. So that's where her head, where her mindset is. That's that is her experience with the police. So when I end up in arguments with people where they're like, well, you'll be, you know, if we defund the police, you'll be really sorry. What will you do when you need a cop? How often do you really need a cop? Like, and, I, and I mean that to anybody like like realistically, um, and this is talking about what Ryan was talking about earlier. Think about what the job of a, of a cop actually is. For the most part, cops aren't about preventing crime. And that's not a criticism. That's just not the job. <laughs> you know, you know, they're not right. they're not they're not. And that's f- one of the things that I think needs to be reformed. Yeah. And, and maybe. Yeah, maybe it should be. But right now it's not they're not Superman. They're not flying around just looking for somebody thinking about committing a crime. And let me go. You know, let me go catch this guy before he breaks in. Well, I can tell you if you don't yeah. mind me interrupting no. real quick, completely related to that. Um, so, again, that sergeant that I had that uh, wasn't crazy about me. Um, my whole take, I, I would, he wanted us out like pulling over everybody we can and not actually saying it, but implying, you know, if you see a bunch of young black kids in a car yeah. that's really nice in a bad neighborhood, you might want to run that tag kind of right. thing. Um, whereas my philosophy is my job is to prevent crimes, not just to try to build up my numbers. Like that's once you mm-hmm. start, once you start focusing on your numbers, you don't care about community anymore because yes. then it becomes a, a thing where you're trying to impress your boss you're trying to impress the guys you work with you're trying to 
build whatever. It's basically just making money for the state. But mm-hmm. so I was like, I've got a post. I'm going to drive up and down every one of these streets and through these alleys where nobody goes during my shift. And when I'm doing that, you're not going to see people breaking into cars on the street. You're not going to see as many burglaries. You're not going to see as many street robberies. We're always going to have domestics. Mm-hmm. Can't do anything about that. But that's preventative. And the problem is there's no numerical identifier for right. how many crimes you prevent. So mm-hmm. we need to completely shift that whole thinking out of police work. Entirely. It should be how if you think about the police like a lifeguard. If you think about police mm-hmm. like a like a lifeguard, like at the beach, you know, you don't the lifeguard's job is to sit there and watch. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe, you know, you you run safety seminars too. Like there's other parts of the job. But like, it's not like you don't really have no one sits there and judges a lifeguard. But how many times did you give CPR this week? That's you know, <laughs> hopefully none. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the ideal situation would be zero. The ideal yeah. situation would be nothing bad happens. Well, and the ideal situation when, instead of the CPR happening is like if the lifeguard points and whistles a few times, you can't yeah. really measure how many times they have to not do CPR because exactly. they pointed right. and whistled. Yeah, that is the ideal hope for, for police. But because when you're talking about, you know, like if you called the police, if anybody has called the police and I don't mean this is no, it's a particular problem in the black neighborhoods that where where systemic racism might be a problem or institutionalized racism from from the cops. Everybody who listens to this show believes in that. So, you know, I I don't need to (laughs) explain it. But even in a even in a rich white neighborhood at the point in which you are calling the police, you are calling 911 for the police as opposed to for an ambulance or a fire department. Even then, though, by the time you're calling 911, something has already gone wrong. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> this is bad. Average re- average police response time in America is six minutes. So if you need the police, you know, like an actual cop, like not 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 for whether it's a domestic disturbance, whether it's anything. If you need the police, something bad has happened. So when you're saying, you know, what are you going to do when? What are you going to do when you need the police? I, I'm honestly not worried about it. I will call nine one one and hope the right person happens. But but the hope is that you don't end up in that situation. The people who are screening for defund the police, they're not looking for that. They're looking for all the stuff they don't make cop shows about. Like like, well, with the exception of the wire, you know, you don't have you don't have a, you don't have a lot of cop shows that are just about the problems of the police department. Some of yeah. them are working towards it. Like V nine nine has actually dealt with it. Yeah, um, and. Uh, the wire is all about that. It's very dark, you know, and then there's um, I'm, un- I'm to understand that next season of SVU is going to get into it quite a bit. Mm. I, I actually feel like to talk more about copyganda, Brooklyn Nine-Nine in itself is a commentary on copaganda, even as it might function as such, because Jake Peralta, which you might have gotten this from literally any episode you watch, because it's in almost all of them, is obsessed with Die Hard. Mm-hmm. And he also, like, they, they just did an episode featuring Cheddar the Dog in the most recent season, where Cheddar gets kidnapped and they do a parody of John Wick. Um, and like, you know, they, they make t- like references to cop shows all the time because Jake is like super into them. And I guess also, I assume so are probably some of the writers because like how many times have all of you made fun of me for not watching Die Hard? Um, but, you know, like his viewpoint is somewhat criticized and made fun of because it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, there's one episode where he insists upon going to like the set of like the Die Hard Tower and they end up getting locked in. So his, you know, there's a plot point for that, but there's, you know, there's a futility there. And like, uh, 
Captain Holt tries to pull a John Wick and Jake is like, no, you can't just take all of these grenades to go after your dog. That would be dumb. So like there, there is like some awareness there in Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nine-Nine. Maybe less so in other shows. It's yeah. also a sitcom and he's intentionally yeah. a moron. You know? Well, yeah. 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 No, that's mm-hmm. the interesting thing about Jake Paul. He's not a moron. He's a moron. Well, you know, he's, a, he's a really good cop, but yeah. he's stupid in every other way. Yeah, he's, he's like socially, a savant. He's socially stupid, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like many of us, honestly. Mm-hmm. But it is it's it's great that I mean, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a silly show. I love it. It's a silly show. It's in this different world than ours, obviously. But it is really great that they do make an effort to address social issues in their way. And I think that kind of stuff is more effective over a long, maybe not more effective, but effective as well in dealing with those issues is because it, it brings it to the, the eyes of people that might not have ever thought about it before. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how many like viewers of Brooklyn nine, nine casually just thought about how awful the prison system was in general mm-hmm. um, until they had Jake go to prison um, and experience things and make references, you know, the specific problems that trans people, for example, have in prison and so on and so forth. I mean, Zootopia is a kid's movie and it's, well, I would say it's a family movie because it's definitely not it's aimed for kids. But I, don't, I think it also handles this. It came out in 2016, I believe, at the it was definitely at the height of the Republican primary season. Um, There's definitely <laughs> some like resonances with like the argument, the villain saying like, you know, I, I'm using fear. Fear always wins. And like the predator versus prey metaphor definitely can stand in for you know racism and like racial profiling i actually taught it and my students made a lot of it um but you know it's it's actually interesting because you know it's a utopia and the cops there are almost completely unarmed uh judy hops does carry some fox repellent which she's like that's a plot point that she's criticized for but it's interesting that they actually chose to like have her and nick wilde the fox come to an understanding um and like be friends and she hurts him through her profiling of predators and then resigns because she realizes she can't do her job well because of what she has done to the city and you know it, it's interesting that like they, they made the hero make a big mistake and they really thought about like the consequences of that in in different terms than like say if it had happened on brooklyn 99 but well, what's interesting about that movie it is a very high recommendation by some people who are in like the self-defense use of violence study circles so it's it's taken more seriously in more circles than you would think. I, I saw I, I posted this to our chat about this episode um, and I will be in the show notes. But actually, um, I learned yesterday that it's used sometimes in bias training of police, which I mm-hmm. would not necessarily uh, think Zootopia will solve all these problems. But <laughs> That's yeah, probably funny. not. So question for Ryan, how much police media do police tend to take in in your experience um well speaking mostly for myself i there's not many cop shows that i can watch i just find them boring and honestly cops was the most i've after i became a cop cops was the most boring show on tv because it was like going to work for a half hour every night (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah you know that's interesting probably uh, maybe a little bit more than the average person at least how they look at it um to me it they just all became boring um like Matt, you mentioned the wire yeah Mm -hmm. banshee well he's not really a cop though that's that's hard to call that one a cop show (laughs) but um the wire and uh homicide i think Mm -hmm. are the two coincidentally by the same guy but the two best cop shows i've ever seen because 
they deal in all those shades of gray. None of those cops in those shows are heroes. They're real people with pathos and problems. Sometimes they've got good motivations. Sometimes they have bad motivations. And the same thing with the, the dealers. Some of them are good people that just this is how they grew up and it's the only life they, they have and that they've ever seen. So I think shows like that. It's funny. I did an um, episode of The Blacklist a couple months ago and I worked with. Um, oh, God. Now I feel horrible because I can't remember his name. But the guy that played uh, Prisbaluski on The Wire. Dean, mm-hmm. uh, his last name's Frost. True, Jim True Frost. That's it. Um, so we were talking and I was telling him, like, I genuinely think that fourth season of The Wire is some of the most important TV ever produced because it's the one that deals all about the kids in school. And again, for people like me, I grew up in suburban outside of Baltimore, totally white neighborhood, went to Catholic school till through middle school. I don't I didn't have a black friend till I was in high school. Just didn't know any. I mean, the only guys I knew, my dad owned a construction company and I would work with him during the summer. So I got to know those guys. But for people that, that grew up outside of ever be any association with those things. It's so important to see, you know, what real life is, that it's not just these kids slinging drugs on the corner and that they're bad people because they sell drugs. Like Mm -hmm. there's a whole depth to that. And until more people see it and start to have empathy for it there, it's just things are not going to get much better until everybody empathy is a big thing with me. So, well, and then that goes into, I mean, to circle all the way back, it's the, if you're only experiencing, like, I'm just, I'm just thinking about some of the people that I've argued with recently about how, you know, the people who will police, they deserve our respect no matter what. Blue lives matter, blah, blah, blah. And here, here's where I said before with the, my, my problem with the whole blue lives matter movement, and just to sum this up very, very easily. Um, <laughs> yes, all lives matter. Yes, I will agree with that. But the difference between the blue lives matter versus the black lives matter uh, movement is, Ryan, when you decided to go out of your way to go to the police academy, train, and then become a cop, this was you making the decision that if a push comes to shove, you're going to step in front of a bullet for me, for me personally. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that was your job. Yeah. And if you say, and if you say, that, and if you say, hey, police officer was killed on the job, his family should get a bunch of money, I'm all for it. Now, the difference is I made no such promise. I was a computer programmer and now I'm a teacher. I don't. And I did, you know, was was I ever in the military? No, I was offered a full scholarship to the Naval Academy and the Air Force Academy. Turned them both down. Why? Because I don't want to be in a situation where people shoot at me. I'm allergic to bullets. I don't like them. (laughs) I I don't like them. Um, And I I just have no interest in doing that. I don't want to be a cop when, you know, remember when Betsy DeVos was like, well, we need to arm teachers. No, no. Again, I, 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 I specifically don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to teach as much as anybody, mm-hmm. but speaking as one and on and knowing a lot of them, you do not want to give teachers guns. It's no. a bad idea. No, I, I was a school resource officer for a year. Yeah. Like, the my, end of my, my career, I was a school resource sure. officer, and when they said that, I was like, "That is the literally the worst decision I've ever heard in my life." <laughs> it's like it's like I I don't you have to understand. There's I'm I'm not I'm not that good a person. And, you know, if it comes down to it and, you know, and, you know, it's like, well, what if somebody, what if there's a school shooter, then your kid should run, you know, they do the, they do the drills because if you're, if your kid is relying on me to come and, you know, to come and be Rambo and save them, then your kid's going to die because I'm not going to do it. I'm I'm letting you you know that, but that's a cop. The cop has decided that in this worst case scenario, I'm going to be the guy who runs in there 
and like, you know, risks my life to save innocents in a 9-11 and not just cops, firefighters in a 9-11 mm-hmm. scenario. If the building's falling down, we're going to keep running there and pulling as many people out as we can before the building falls down because that's you. And because you have chosen to say your life is less valuable specifically. I know it doesn't, nobody likes to think about it that way, but you are willing to risk your life so that anybody else who just happened to be born and in this situation can live. And that's sort of the problem because cop shows don't approach it that way. Cop shows um, either approach it in the Paw Patrol method. And I shouldn't say all because I mean, we're talking about the wire has nuance, but most cop shows are the Paw Patrol method of we are the good guys and we will save it. No, no job too, too big. No pup too small. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, God, it was such a horrible show. <laughs> Yes. So you have that or you have the or you have the superhero, dirty, hairy, diehard. I'm just this lone wolf and I'm going to kill everybody you like the yeah. like that's the mentality. Those are the two extremes. And I think that you probably have a lot of you, know, you probably have people who are trying to become cops because, oh, I'm going to be a warrior like dirty, hairy. But you also have people who are defending cops because they're not all just four-year-olds. I think that the image of cops to a lot of people who don't come from black neighborhoods where cops are driving around all the, all the time are people who have only seen friendly police officers on TV. I mean, mm-hmm. like they're the Andy Griffith like yeah. image is like still something that we have access to and is in popular culture today, especially for a lot of like majorly white rural communities. Uh, I think like people, my people in my family who are many years older than me, like are, are knee jerk defending the cops. I think specifically because that is the image they have and they don't understand anything else, which is obviously not to defend them because they're 100% wrong. And I, well, I think, for a lot of people too, I think, um, especially people that, you know, not people of color, a lot of white people, a lot of people that are, you know, middle-class and above to them, they feel safe because the police are there. So mm-hmm. anyone saying anything against police is a threat to their safety. Mm-hmm. So they get super defensive and emotional about it instead of, you know, trying to hear someone else's perspective. It's kind of like you said um, earlier, Matt, you mentioned, uh, fuck the police. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, like I never dawned on me until maybe a couple of years ago, driving around in my friend's car with him playing NWA. And like I said, I grew up in a pretty much all white area. That was the first moments that I even heard had any idea what mm-hmm. life was like for a young black guy. Like I had no idea. Oh, maybe I knew a little bit by then because that would have been high school, but still like just their art gave me a window into mm-hmm. their world that caused me not to be judgmental or not, not necessarily judgmental, but not to be um, so quick to judge, I guess um, when I was dealing with kids like that and, and, mm-hmm made it made it so much easier to relate to them because I could understand and I, I would get in so many arguments with cops that <laughs> would get so defensive about, you know, people not liking cops, people being angry. And I'm like, it's not you. It's not about you. Like I know you're a good person. You know you're a good person. Yeah. It's it's the the system and the uniform. It has nothing to do with you. So don't take it personally. Just show I, that you're an example of a good one. I, I wish we, I wish we'd had my wife on the show today. Um, you know, again for, for listeners who know, my my wife is white, and she tells a story that you know we had been dating. It's actually we'd been dating for a while. So when we we'd been living together, oh I don't know, six months maybe. Um, so it was maybe a year or two into our relationship. And uh, we were going somewhere. I was driving and we got pulled over by the cops. The cops, uh, the cops said that I ran a red light and he said, and I didn't. In fact, to this day, I swear I didn't. 
I know. Cause he was like, well, do you know why I pulled you over? And he said, and it's no. And he says, well, you ran that red light. Um, d- um, did you just think you could make it? And I was like, no, I stopped because I saw you sitting there and decided to try and make the, <laughs> you know, like, I'm not stupid. I like, I, like I, like he, he thought I'd ran it, but I didn't. So I was like, mm-hmm. all right, well, anyway, so, but I was, you know, very, you know, <laughs> if, um, my mother again, will tell you any black mother will tell you that you have the talk with, with your children when they're very young. And the talk for black people is not about, you know, where the babies come from. The talk is how to correctly talk to the police and the correct way to talk to the police. When you are a black person, when you are a young black person is you treat them like they are slave owners and you are the slave. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Very, very short, very extremely excruciatingly polite because every black mother in America is worried that her kid's going to get shot someday. Um, And it's a very real worry. So I was doing that. I was like, yes, sir. No, sir. Absolutely not. And then, um, and Steph was just sitting there terrified. And then when, you know, now we didn't get a ticket. He's like, all right, I'm gonna let you off with a warning because I hadn't done anything. He he was wrong. Yeah. (laughs) And he left. And then Steph, and and then Steph afterwards was like, why were you not terrified? It's like, what? And he was like, and she's like, he had his hand on his gun the entire time. Did you see that? And I was like, well, that's what cops do to me. That's like when a cop comes and talks to you, like they have their hand, they have their hand on their gun. It's, 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 it's the experience of being, uh, at least where I grew up, that was the experience of it. The first time that I was ever stopped by the cops by myself, um, alone, I was 13 years old. I was walking to work. I had a job. Um, I was walking to work and, uh, in my hometown and they said, uh, and the cops pulled up next to me. So I stopped and it's like, well, what do you, you know, uh, what's your name? I said, my name's Chris. And it's like, um, are you sure your name's not Freddie? Yes, sir. I'm pretty sure my name is not Freddie. And said, where do you live? I gave him my address. Where are you going? I'm going to work. Go to where I was working. At this point, I lived on 31st Street and I worked on, I think it's probably around 42nd Street. So it's like a 10 block. It's, it's like a 10, 11 block walk. And they said, well, are you sure your name's not Freddie? And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm quite sure, sir. And he says, well, you know, we've got a call for a six foot man matching your description just broke you know age age 35 just you know just a domestic disturbance with his girlfriend over on 17th street are you sure you're not coming from there and i'm like well for listeners i'm 45 now i'm 5'8 so so i was not i was not six foot when i was 13 i'm 5'8 now i don't think i might have been like 5'6 i certainly don't look 35 at the time and I'm on foot on, you know, 35th Street. 17th Street is clear on the other side of town. And I, and I was like, well, this is, you know, this is five minutes ago. And it's like, that wasn't me, sir. And he, they sat there and they questioned me until a call on the CB came over that they caught the guy because he just refused to believe that. I mean, the only thing that I had in common with this, with the suspect is that we were both black. He was a foot taller than me, you know, wow. or six inches taller. That's normal. In 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 20 years older than me. That's normal. So when, so what Ryan was just saying, maybe you feel safer just you know, now, largely it's theater. Again, I, most people never call the cops. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just, like if you need the cops, something has gone wrong or you're a horrible person that just wants to have black people arrested. Like, you know, what's her name? Right. Amy Cooper. Yeah. But like, Amy for, Cooper. right. But for yeah. most people, you're not really, you really don't call the cops. It's just, it's, you know, it's security theater. You feel safer. Um, middle-class white people feel safer with cops being around. Oh, mm-hmm. if anything ever happens, I'm okay. That's not true for everybody. For some people, yeah. the presence of cops makes you feel no more, more nervous because, um, 
I have had more negative experiences with cops in my life than positive ones by far. Yeah. Um, at least professional experience. Like I, say, I, I know several people who are cops or just, you know, lovely Ryan seems great, you know, oh, <laughs> you know, nice. like lo- lovely people. <laughs> but like, as far as in, in, in an actual cop scenario, I've not, you know, it's usually something is not going well when you encounter them. And that's very normal for some people. And that's the problem. So when you're saying, you know, oh, you know, what are you going to do if they defund the police? And it's like, good. It's going to be great. <laughs> I can walk to the store now. I suspect that for a lot of middle class and up white people, the police are largely invisible because I, mm-hmm. I have had circumstances <laughs> where like there was once in graduate school, I had colleagues who wanted to have an event in an open area on campus and serve alcohol. And I looked into it and I said, well, we need to have police there if there's alcohol. And they said, well, there's alcohol at every show opening. And I said, yes, there is. And there's also police at every show opening because like I've gone and talked to them. And they're like, well, we never noticed the police. I was like, you keep talking about how you're big anti-violence, anti-gun advocates. And there's a person in the uniform with a gun at this event that you go to every time and you've never noticed. I wonder if some of like this is changing because I mean we we do have like some more nuanced things like Zootopia and Brooklyn Nine Nine that we've discussed. But I I was also thinking about things that are not necessarily about cops but betray cops in a different way. Like I was thinking about Get Out, mm. and the reason why Get Out's ending is so effective is because everyone in the audience in my theater. Mm-hmm. Like when you see the cop car, you all know what that potentially means uh, for the main character. And then, of course, it's a cathartic Mm -hmm. moment because it's not a cop. But uh, I've actually like noticed for the past, I don't know, five years that like people who like perhaps should have no reason statistically to be afraid of cops are afraid of cops for other people. I think we've had a couple of listeners comment on like, maybe it's not a good idea to teach kids to call 911 because officers are not equipped to handle certain situations or they might have biases. I lived in a gentrified neighborhood in Durham for a couple of years and we had long discussions on the listserv. I say we, I just, I just watched. I, um, but like we had long discussions on listserv about like, when is it appropriate to call cops because of who lived in our neighborhood and how mm-hmm. it was policed? My, well, I, some people who like have talked to me should have called the cops in certain situations and did not because they weighed the situation of if I call the cops, am I putting someone's life in danger if I'm and wrong? I think there's also been so, some demographic changes in the police. Like, this is a much larger topic, but I, a, a couple of years ago, I get to speak to a lot of people who are police or former police because I am very active in martial arts. And I ended up in a very long conversation in a trip to Massachusetts with a guy who was a retired cop. And one of the things he told me is that one of the reasons he had left his particular department is that there were becoming way too many people who were signing up who were white supremacists and he couldn't work with white supremacists. And there is supposedly a movement among the white supremacist populations to have as many people become cops as possible. And we have things and like that is terrifying. Absolutely. And that was part of what happened when the process I was talking about in North Carolina. Um, I mean, it's difficult to like confirm this, um, but there's there's a lot of both suspected and confirmed connections between white supremacist organizations and various police that showed up at that particular protest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think Hannah, Hannah, to your point, I think is a really interesting one. Cause I was thinking about this. I'm, I am a white girl raised in the suburb. Um, I, I, I do think it's, there's, there's a becoming to be a cultural shift and I'm interested to see how like these different shows play into it because like I was raised to be wary of cops, even though I have no statistical reason to, because my, my father is from the South side of Chicago came from a, and despite being white came from like, I mean, Chicago policing is its own kind of microcosm of a lot of things, but, um, <laughs> came from a very poor neighborhood that was over policed, um, as well and had a lot of very negative friends with cops. We'll leave it at that. And mm-hmm. so I was raised and especially when I moved to Chicago and actually when I left home and moved to a city in general, like my, my parents basically were like, gave me a lecture of like not not quite to the level of Mavs the talk but basically like the question of tell, telling me that like cops were not always the people I should like to be trusted and they would be very wary of sh- of police in certain areas and all that other kind of stuff so I think there is this growing for better or worse basically I think there is a growing um unease which I think mm-hmm. contributes to something like we were talking referencing earlier like Ryan like talking about like the divide like the cultural divide um mm-hmm. that some police experience like I, I think that's getting escalating just because mm-hmm. yeah and 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 like I said like I've had both like normal like as expected by the book experiences with cops and some very very negative ones um, mm-hmm. either with me personally or with people around me so I like as long as that continues to be the case, I mean, I, I only anticipate that this, like, the divide's going to get worse. And I think, yeah, the, the white supremacists and I think also just the general, like, environment of, like, the, mm-hmm. the really, really harsh law and order culture that seems to drive a lot of people towards policing is very, very concerning. I am the yes. law and order president. <laughs> right. Um, well, but see, and that, that links us back to what we started with, and which is that's why that awareness, that growing awareness is why people the few people who are taking this seriously and even those who aren't but think it's worth a a conversation that's where defund chase comes from Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. why because like we maybe we shouldn't have you know it's sort of it's the same thing i am this is a different episode but i am i am very much not in favor of the whole you know we should say we thank you for your service to every person who's been in the military ever not necessarily. That person might be an asshole. It's just the person. You know, maybe he did right. a good thing. Maybe he did a bad thing. Same thing. But with maybe cops. they also committed war crimes. You don't also, know. Also, right. the military know. is an imperial arm of the United States. So, right. Another and, episode. And but see, and that's the thing. With, and that's the thing with cops. You know, maybe I, huh, we're we're running long here. But there was um the the New York Police Union when you know um had issued a statement of. You know, when all this defund stuff really started picking up where, you know, you know, you know, we're not Minneapolis, you know, we deserve your respect. And I'm like, first off, New York, please, it does, you know, you've had your problems with racial violence in the recent past. Let's yeah, not pretend that's not there. Great history there <laughs> yeah. always. So. And, and second, you know, n- no one deserves my respect. I'm an asshole. Okay. <laughs> like you, you deserve your, you, I mean, you get my respect when you earn it. You individually, nobody deserves my respect just because of their job. They just, you just don't. I'm sorry. Totally I'm, just, I'm just not that nice a person and I don't have to be. So if that's where you're, you know, when you're like, if you're approaching the entire situation of, you know, why are you guys against us? We're the good guys. 
I don't know that you're the good guys or the bad guys. You can't start from there because maybe you're the good guys to you. But to me, you know, I, I was almost arrested once for eating a cookie. You know, like there's like, wow. there, like there's there's a lot of, you know, to me, it's Please a very different that photo to the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I remember link. that when it happened. That was something. Yeah, I'll, I'll link that entire story because, you know, it's not worth telling right now. But yeah, it's 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 a different perspective. So you don't you don't get to automatically command respect. And I don't. And by the way, I don't either. You know, I'm I'm a guy who talks about sex and comic books for a living. That's not, you know, like that's not mm-hmm. that's not automatically the most important thing in the in the world. Now, I do have a lot of a lot of my students will tell you, you know, he's you know, he's the best teacher I've ever had because I earned that respect. So if you mm-hmm. want me to respect you as a cop, earn it. That's you know, I, I couldn't agree more. And and to to hit on that and what um, something that Katya was saying about that divide that is getting worse um, and probably will for the time being. I, I truly believe it's the police's responsibility to take that first big leap of faith or that first big step to earn that respect. It's it's going to have to come a little bit from both sides. Both sides are going to have to, you know, drop, I want to say drop their guard, but be willing to listen to both sides. But the police are the, the personification of the government on a daily basis which is mm-hmm. part of that systemic racism. It, it is up to the police to stand up. And even if people are yelling in your face, be like, look, we're going to change this. This is how we're going to change it. This is why we're going to change it. And then fucking do it and show people that it's before you expect people to start treating you different or thinking about police in general is different. They need to change and show why it's changing and show why they give a shit. And I think that popular culture and what we might call propaganda, like some of it, like we said, just is. But I do think that it is interesting that a lot of newer media, especially like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Zootopia, even Armis Fell, like they, they critique their systems, like whether it, it's problems with like Boys Club in Armis Fell and like the internal workings of the Leprechaun like agency or, you know, Zootopia thinking about biases and like is resigning the best thing? Is it is it, you know, like doing individual like rehabilitation and thinking about empathy brooklyn 99 does a lot of different things which is eight seasons worth of stuff that i can't list right now but like you know i think that there is something valuable in using media as an experiment to think about how we might handle this situation not all of it is correct like like some of the, you know the proposed reforms to police have been shown to not actually be effective but it's you know it's thinking about like if we just got rid of all cop shows that wouldn't necessarily solve any of these problems either, no. which I don't right. think that anyone right. on the show was ever arguing for that. But, you know, <laughs> there are people on the Internet who are. I, I saw someone post Paw Patrol. Like, Get rid of Paw Patrol. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, hey, creators, if you don't want to be part of the problem, stop writing like positive, like, you know, uh, representations of cops. It's not that simple. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and it would just perpetuate that it, it, if, if that's all that were on TV, it would just perpetuate like everybody would grow up fearful and hateful towards them. And even if there was a huge shift, which I have to say, after um, after George Floyd, I have never seen more police that I know on social media posting about how fucked up that was. 
and how it was completely unnecessary, uncalled for. Yeah, lock him up. I've mm-hmm. never seen that many cops actually saying. And unfortunately, it wasn't all the ones that I know. Right. And, and some I, of- I've seen I've seen I've seen both. I um, it's I have seen more more people on the side of BLM in this one, in this particular case than I've ever seen mm-hmm. um, in any in, in, in any uh, black man killed by the police incident. And again, if you if you listen to the to the show I did a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, I've seen a lot of these, you know, they, Floyd's murder affected a lot of people and it's good. It should. On the other hand, there are still some people I, you know, I know people, people I know personally who are like, well, if he just complied, I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> just say, yeah. you know, yeah, and, say, and, and not as she's not gotten as much press, but Brianna Taylor as well. Richard mm-hmm. Brooks, not right. so much. People, people are a little torn on Richard Brooks and that's, yeah. well, he was breaking the law. Kinda. I mean, yeah, he was. But but um, yeah, but, but also like the amount of stories going around about like when white people break the same laws, like yes. this does not happen. Yeah, like, people, yeah Brooklyn Nine Nine literally also, has like, its the job. Yeah, the job of the police is not to kill people who may or may not be break, break, breaking the law. Yeah, it's right. not to apprehend them. Then they go to the court system. Then the punishment is meted out. Like right. police are not a punishment arm of judicial yeah. system. That's not the function that they play, which is also another thing that I think is misrepresented on cop shows. But that's another episode. Yeah. Yes. I got news for yes. It's me- misrepresented in police training sometimes, yeah. too. So. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine literally has, like, Jake breaking into someone's house to play a joke and a police officer saying, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm playing a prank on my friend. And the officer's like, okay, have fun. So... Yeah, there's some yeah. like so so a very good friend of mine who I know originally through martial arts, black man. He once showed up, we were hanging out, he showed up and he handed me a katana umbrella and he said, <laughs> pick this up, realized I'm black, I can't have this, this is for you. Um. And, and I was like, shit, that's both that's true and that's hilarious and that's sad. Mav, I meant to, to say earlier when you were talking about your uh um experiences with police and stuff like that, one of the the again being who I am and, and I started I Came on the job when I was 18. I was a cadet for two years before I went into the academy. One of my favorite cops, he was a youngish, maybe two years older than me. And I was only like 21, 22. Uh, black guy from the city. Don't know why he decided to become a cop, but just one of the best guys ever. And talking to him opened my eyes to so much stuff about because he was a young black guy, drove an Acura because he had a good job and could afford it. And he got pulled over so much. And this poor guy, he got pulled over by our department, wanted to see how he'd be treated. So he didn't mention that he was a cop, got a ticket, got pulled over. And then he uh, he got yelled at for getting a ticket because we get written up for breaking the law. So they're like, you should have identified yourself. Tell him you're a cop. You wouldn't have gotten a ticket, which is also its own sort of bullshit. But um, so then he got pulled over again and identified himself as a cop. And the cop complained to his sergeant that he shouldn't be identifying himself to get out of tickets. And he got in trouble for that. And I was just like, this is and that was like the first me being like, you know, 21 year old white kid. That was like the first things I was just like, holy shit, this is so fucked up. Like, and he's a cop. He's doing every like he's doing everything. He got um, he got locked up once when he was down in the city in Baltimore City at a club with friends. And somebody got one of his friends got pepper sprayed. He said the guy deserved to get pepper sprayed. He was starting to fight. He had no issues with it. The cops kneeling on his back and he kept telling the guy, get off of him. He's you know, he can't breathe because the guy was trying to was like choking. And the cop just kept telling him, go away, go away, go away. And he's like, dude, look at him. Look at his face. He cannot breathe. So the cop looked at him. 
saw what was going on and then stood up and he's like, all right, get out of here. And yeah, he's so he started walking away. I was like, whatever, fuck this under his breath. And they grabbed him and locked him up just for saying fuck this under his breath as he's walking away. And they got down to central booking in Baltimore City and saw his badge in his wallet. And we're like, why didn't you tell us you were a cop? And he's like, I shouldn't fucking have to. Like, it, And then they let him they released him without charge, because like the story you were telling before, they knew they were wrong. They knew they had nothing. And they knew if they had to you know, go to court over this, they were going to lose. So we've resolved nothing. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's. I, mean, I, I think we did resolve that Paw Patrol and all those other children's shows are terrible and should be canceled because they're terrible. It is bad for America. I'm sorry. Again, just, I, my, I, nep- I, my nephew I loves that show. I have respect for parents who have to watch those shows. I Nope. Just no. Yeah. My no, mother would let me watch TV until I could read and would <laughs> give me book time because screens were bad and I think that this might have been why. Just, we were watching it. My nephew loves the show and I was watching it to prepare for this and, and Stephanie walked in and about halfway. She only saw it was half as many as I did. And she was like, she just watched one with me and she's like, I, I respect him so much less now. <laughs> he's only four. She's like, I, I just, I, I thought he was smarter. And I was like, <laughs> it's, it's a bad show. It's so, I mean, I understand you, you have different, you know, as we say on every show, like what you like, it's fine. But like, why? Just, I don't know. There's got to be something else <laughs> that you can watch. Just, kids are just looking at the colors moving around. Yeah. I, I can guess. look at Zootopia. Zootopia is so much smarter. Zootopia is awesome. Yeah. I enjoyed Zootopia. I don't know. That was a good movie. Yeah. So, I mean, so and, and, and again, we, you know, I, I do want to point out, you know, Law and, Order, Law and Order SPU is one of my favorite shows. I love it. Um, as you know, of shows that I've, you know, that I've consistently watched, you know, it's not, is it the best show on the air? No, that's Riverdale, but it's uh, been on. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. You got to, you oh, got gosh. to have a catcher reference. <laughs> so, um, to be but, fair, like, nothing's on the air right now. So yeah. And you see just, what I have to deal with people. You see, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been on, it's been on for a couple of decades and you know, I, I enjoy the show. I'm going to continue watching it. So it's, you know, is it perfect? No, but I, I do think that like everything that we talk about on this show, media is an excuse to have a conversation. And, you know, I think what makes it worth it is if you have these conversations to go back to to Terry's uh, letter to us when he his comment on is if nothing else. Yeah, maybe his kid didn't have uh, uh, an understanding of what police were other than what he saw in Paw Patrol. But Paw Patrol is good if Paw Patrol gave Terry the opportunity to have a serious conversation with a four year old who needs to have that have that conversation. So that's the that's the bonus, I think. I so, guess. So we can, can have still another be a better show. We can, can have another conversation better. and we can talk about this more because it's a bigger topic than we maybe yes. thought. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, Ryan, would would you, Marone, I know will come back because you've been back many times. <laughs> Ryan, would you be willing to come back for another show at some point? Absolutely. I had a great time with this. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, anything you want to promote? Me? Uh, oh, you know what? <laughs> I always forget to have something to promote. Um, You know what? Just empathy. Whatever, you, whatever your thing is, just g- the general concept of empathy. There you go. <laughs> uh, this episode brought to you by empathy, empathy. <laughs> where can we get a sponsorship for that 
I was going to say, this, this letter is brought to you by Empathy and the letter R. <laughs> Sesame Street is a good show. Yeah, Sesame, Sesame, Sesame Street is semi-intelligent, so. Yes. Yeah. Maroon. I have done a soft launch of my audio podcast, Slippery Slope, which mm-hmm. is a world which, in which at least one aspect is policing has gone horribly wrong, along with many other things. So... Mm-hmm. I would love to uh, have people take a look at that or take a listen to that. Mm-hmm. That is, of course, linked in the show notes. Katya. As always, you can find me at just that nerd kid on Instagram. Um, but uh, this week, I'd actually like to plug something else. So through my work at the University of Michigan, we're actually working on a course with a huge panel of experts on police brutality that's going to be launching on July 6th. And we will put the link in the show note. Um, but it's going to be free to the public um, and promises to be a much a pretty in-depth and thoughtful response to a lot of things going on, as well as the history of policing in general. So please check that out. Very cool. Very cool. Palindrome Hannah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hannah Lee Rogers. Although I have to warn you, I have like quit posting original content and <laughs> don't care anymore. So I guess I won't annoy you. <laughs> <laughs> Just, okay, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick. I cannot make the promise to not annoy you. <laughs> that is a promise I cannot make. You can follow my blog at www.chrismaverick.com. You can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places, always at Vox Popcats. And now on YouTube, please like and subscribe to us on YouTube. We need it. We need uh, we need uh, to get our subscriber count on that up on that. So if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or Pandora or YouTube or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and do us a favor. If you really enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review, especially on on iTunes. If you leave us a five-star rating and write a little review saying something that you like about the show, something you find interesting that helps other people find the show. Same thing on YouTube, you know, hit those like buttons and subscribe buttons or whatever the hell. I don't know how YouTube works. We're we're very new to this, Um, but thank you to everybody who has subscribed to us so far. We also hope you subscribe to our blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we post calls for comments that tell you what the next show is going to be about. I don't know what the next show is going to be about. What the, it might be about know. this again. Who knows? It could be. Um, yeah. But follow that. You can comment on uh, and give us thoughts. You can also comment on independent episodes and let us know what you agree with or don't agree with or what did we forget. And, you know, that, those also often become new shows as well. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, Building Ever So More Epically and Playing Us Out. I'd once again like to thank both Ryan and and Marone for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Come on, man. You got to learn the words, Mike. You don't know the damn words either.